0: good to us amen hallelujah god is so good amen oh glory you know i was um i was raised pentecostal i'm still pentecostal uh but you know i don't everybody doesn't remember but you know i remember that uh you know, Pentecostals. We weren't uh, we weren't the most popular folks around. Uh, sometimes people thought we were a little different, and some some of them were a little different. Uh, but oh, we knew how to enjoy the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I remember we would come on Wednesday evening service, and and you know, uh, it's like today's to an extent but uh, even more so back then you know people would come right from work you know they'd get off 5 5 30 6 come right to work come right to church and uh, we had testimony service had testimony service in every service it wasn't you know the the pastor would say you know uh, uh, has anybody got a testimony for the Lord something the Lord's done and, and uh, you know it wasn't always a testimony they had they might testify They might just look at you and start saying, hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Hold to his hand, to God's unchanging hand. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God! Then a sister would say, "Life is filled with swift transition." Hallelujah! <laughs> Glory to God! Amen. Hallelujah! You know, if uh, if you don't forget your roots, your roots will sustain you, and that's what the Lord has said to us uh, a number of times, a couple different times, that He's taking that Pentecostal heritage and merging it with the the word of faith that God has obviously that we are but he said they won't be able to define you other than to say that you're a church that moves in the word and in the spirit and so that's what we're believing God for amen I was uh we were in prayer this this evening before church and the Lord said some things to me and usually I don't I don't say uh, right off what he said, but I feel like it would be his will tonight. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to minister on something, but uh, just to share a couple things with you. I was looking at the, uh, the little podium we have back there in the, in the children's ministry. Well, that's the podium that Pastor Michelle used to carry back and forth from uh, Kansas when we first started the church, and this coming up year will be eight years that we've been here, and 25 years in Kansas and eight years here. And uh, the wonderful thing about that is the, the number eight, it is defined as this, the super abundant number. It's the super abundant number, the, the number eight. And 25, of course, 25 is five fives, and five is the number of grace. So 25 is defined as abundant grace. And so we're moving into the super abundant year and the year of abundant grace. Uh, but <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord said to me, he said, in 2023, you will be making a move. The church will be making a move. Hallelujah. And he said, the enemy would like to resist the move. Give him no place. Squeeze him out. And he said, 2023 is a moving year. Hallelujah. So we're ready, Lord. We receive that. And uh, glory to God. And the, uh, the first week in January, uh, we'll be calling a corporate fast for that week in January. Now, when I say corporate fast, that's, uh, you know, however, however you feel led of the Lord to fast, whether it be a, a partial fast, a Daniel's fast, a complete fast, however you feel. Uh, but uh, uh, that Monday through Friday, uh, we'll be fasting, and those days... Uh, we'll be meeting for prayer from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, here in the sanctuary if you are available. And uh, we'll be believing God for some wonderful things. Amen. Glory to God. Go with me to Isaiah 7. And I want to continue with this that we began Sunday morning, what Christmas really means. And uh, we, uh, we dealt um, Sunday morning on the virgin birth of Christ, and uh, we talked about how that the Bible says that for this purpose Christ was manifest in the flesh, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. And so that means if he was manifest, the works were destroyed. Amen. And uh, tonight we want to deal with the nature of Jesus. What Christmas really means, the nature of Jesus. You know, we're in that season that, that we call Advent, uh, you know, moving up to where we classically uh, uh, celebrate the birth of Christ, and uh, the point is, is that it involves doctrine, and understanding doctrinal truth makes for safe believers. This is, I've, I've, I've heard people say so much in the last few months and, and years why does it seem that there's so many people that are falling for this and falling for that? The, the answer is very simple, no doctrine, no doctrine. Doctrine, by definition, means that which is taught, all right? It means that which is taught, and listen, we need good preaching. Listen, y'all know I'll preach at the drop of a hat and drop it myself, but the, the point is, is the doctrine has to be sound. And what we saw in, in years gone by was sound doctrine. Amen. You know, the Pentecostal circles that I grew up in, we had sound doctrine. Uh, amen. Uh, 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 a lot of the people that, that were involved in, in the Pentecostal circles that we were in were people that had got filled with the Holy Ghost out of the Baptist church. And listen, the Baptists are all about doctrine. Amen. One man said if you give, if you, if you give the baptist another 50 years, they'll get the other half of the world saved. But the 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 point is, but then there's also two things that are known all around the world, Coke Colin, the assembly of God. So there you go. But the wherever you go in the world, you'll find one of those. But the point is is doctrine. And and doctrine is sheep food. And and you know when, you're, when you have a birthday party for a child, usually broccoli's not on the menu. Usually. All right? Because that's, that's not the environment. Right? Uh, when, when does the child get broccoli? Day in and day out at home. Right? Because mom's not trying to celebrate every day. Mom's trying to keep them healthy. Dad's trying to keep them healthy. Sheep food is what doctrine is. It, it helps sheep grow. So what Christmas really means, this is part two, the nature of Jesus. We want to deal with the nature of Jesus. One theologian, J.C. Ryle, he made the statement, he said, the name Emmanuel takes in the whole mystery. Jesus is God with us. He had a nature like our own in all things, sin only excepted. But though Jesus was with us in human flesh and blood, He was at the same time very God. So Isaiah fourteen, this is prophetic of Christ, and says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign: Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us." Now Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter 1, we'll look at verse 22. It says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Now it says, Now all this was done, well, when, when, when we see that, notice it starts in verse 18. It says, the birth of Christ, Jesus Christ was on this wise or in this manner. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, they were engaged. Before they came together, before they came together in matrimony, and before they came together in physical in- intimacy, she was found with child, now notice, of the Holy Ghost. Of the Holy Ghost, preposition of. The the substance, the the channel, all right? She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us Joseph was a just man, was not willing to make her a public display, uh, was going to put her away privately. But notice verse 20. While he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take Mary unto you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of... The Holy Ghost is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and call his name Jesus or Savior. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done. Well, it's referring to the angel, all right? But it's also referring to the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary and the power of the Most High overshadowing her, all right? All of that was done so that it could be fulfilled That was spoken by the prophet, a virgin shall conceive a a child, and you will call his name God with us. Now, that's important. That's not just something we put on a Christmas card, all right, or on a wreath on our front door. This, This is literal God with us, all right? God with us. This is interesting because findings were recently released from two ministries, uh, Uh, legionnaire ministries and lifeway research and here's what they found they made a statement to groups of christians that they were surveying and here was the statement here was the statement to groups of christians jesus was a great teacher but he was not god this was to evangelical christians 53 percent of evangelicals agreed with that statement that Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't God. 11% were unsure. So basically, you have 64% that don't know. 53% don't believe it or believe that's right, and 11% don't know. Well, why don't they know? No doctrine. All right, the Bible says very plainly, his name was God with us. God with us. Amen. So what Christmas really means is that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Well, let, let's, let's go on to John 1, and then I won't get ahead of myself, and I can pick up where I left off. John chapter 1 Because I've got a lot to get to you. There's a lot of Scripture tonight. Now, we're not going to turn to all of them, but I hope you brought your pen and paper because you're going to want to write them down. Uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, notice some things. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Everybody say out loud, the Word was God. Alright, now when it says the word was with God, in the Greek that word with, it means face to face. Alright, it, it means to turn towards. So in the beginning, the word was face to face with God. Alright, the word, the word was turned towards God. And then it says, the word became flesh. Verse 14, the word became flesh. Well, if the word was God, then God became flesh. The word became flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And the word, God, became flesh. Right? Do do you see this? And so the question then is: What is John teaching? Because he's he's teaching us something. What is John teaching? First of all, he's preaching the pre-existence of Jesus. Jesus always existed. He was from the beginning, face to face with the Father. All right? In the presence of the Father. Uh, The book of Proverbs says that uh, uh, it calls Jesus wisdom. And it says, before the foundation of the world, the Father possessed me. All right? He said, I was there. When the, when the world was made, I was there. When the universe was created, he said, I, wisdom, was with him daily. He was my delight. Yes, All right? So we see the pre-existence of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and he was in the beginning with God. Right? That We don't know when the beginning was, but whenever it was, he was there. And he was face to face with the Father. All right? See, this is so important because to believe that Jesus can do what he said he could do, I've got to believe he's God. And people have have shied away from this because they're like, well, you know, I don't want anybody to think I'm oneness or Jesus only. Well, listen, you you can't be oneness in the sense of a legalistic uh, denomination uh, 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 of of oneness. When you, when you read the Bible correctly. Because the Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven. Right? The Father, the blood, and the Spirit. Well, the Father, we know is Father God. The blood is Jesus. And the Spirit's the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear record in heaven. In the book of Genesis, chapter 1, it says that, obviously, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. Right? And God said. Right? And God said. that the, the very first time we see God in the book of Genesis, it's the word Elohim. It's the plural term of God. And then when he created man, he said, let us create man in our own image. And people have, I've heard people say, well, he was talking to the angels or he was talking to other created beings. No, he wasn't because we're not created in the image of angels. We're created in the image of God. And a very simple way to look at that, he was talking to the Father, he was talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit, and and when you add the Father in, you have a tripartite being. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. I am created in the image of God. I don't look like God on the outside, although he is pretty handsome, but the, the point is, the point is, I look just like God on the inside. Does that make sense? Amen. So so I've, I've had people say, well, you know, Jesus is Jesus God. What's the Bible say? There's no dispute about what the Bible plainly teaches. Amen. Hallelujah. What, what does the Word say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word God became flesh. So he's teaching the pre-existence of Jesus in Colossians 1 15. I'll read it to you from the Amplified Bible. It says, now he, Jesus, is the exact likeness of the unseen God. The visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. Hallelujah. The firstborn of all creation. So whenever the beginning was, Jesus was the first. Oh, glory. That's why, that's, listen, listen, and, and I'm going to get into some of these things tonight. If Jesus wasn't God, then why did he call himself the same things God called himself? I am. The first and the last. Amen. All, all these different things. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. Amen. Do you see this? So the first thing he was teaching was the preexistence of Jesus. The second thing that he was teaching is the Trinity. And the Word was with God. What does that indicate? There's more than one person. The Word was with God. The Word was with God. The Word was face to face with God. Amen. Thirdly, It teaches us the deity of Jesus. The Word was God. Now, now, there's no dispute if you take the Bible literally. The Word was God. Is that right? And then it tells us, fourthly, Jesus' role as creator. Notice what it says. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. So now, 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 but think about that, and then go back to Genesis 1. And people say, look, look at all that God created. But John said, everything was created by Jesus. And nothing that was created was created without Him. So He had a role in creation because He was God. Amen. See, you you can't separate them. The Father and the Son are one. Amen. We're not not talking a a doctrine, we're talking the Bible. These three, the Bible says, are one. They eternally exist as one, yet they eternally exist in three separate persons. Because they all have different roles. They all have different roles. The Holy Spirit is the communication arm of the Godhead. Jesus is the intercession, redemption arm of the Godhead. And the Father is the righteous judge. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus himself said, I don't judge anything. He said, the, the day's coming that I'm going to turn all judgment over to the Father. Amen. Amen. Now notice. Colossians 1, 16. For it was in him, in the Amplified, it was in him that all things were created. In heaven, on earth, things seen and things unseen. All things were created and exist through him. All things were created and exist through him. Now, you can't misunderstand that. Right? The Weast Bible, well, yeah. So Jesus' role as creator, let me count them, make sure I'm giving you the right ones. One, two, three, four, five. The fifth thing that that John's teaching us, the humanity of Jesus. The humanity of Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. One translation says he pitched his tent and became one of us. Oh, glory to God. Amen. I don't know about you, but that just gives me Holy Ghost goosebumps every time I think about it. The Word became flesh. Woo! The Greek Bible says, the Word entered a new mode of existence. And became flesh. Now, now think about this. The Word had always existed as God. And, and, and the Greek says, the Word took on a new mode of existence. Became flesh. So the word had always existed as God. So God took on a new mode of existence. Flesh. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, this is so important. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6. Glory to God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, speaking of Jesus, who being in the form of God, all right, the outward representation, the outward resemblance, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. All right, in other words, uh, uh, when you read other translations, it says he didn't think that equality with God was something that he had to hang on to. All right? That's why the Amplified Bible says, but he emptied himself. All right, He emptied himself, and notice it says, he made himself of no reputation, but took on him the form of a servant. Same word. That word form is only used three times in the New Testament. And it means the same thing everywhere. The outward representation, the, the, the likeness, the outward likeness. So notice it says, it says he was in the form of God. He looked just like God. Why? He was God. And then it says in verse uh, uh, 7, he took on him the form of a servant. Looked just like man. Why? He was man. He became man. And, and, and here, here is the, the, the interesting thing it didn't take away to him, it did not take away from his deity to become a man. That's important. Because, because people over the years have tried to kind of play down him becoming a man. And you'd hear preachers say, he clothed himself in flesh. No, he didn't. He became flesh. And, and here's why I know, everyone in here clothed yourself in clothes tonight. Yet those clothes are not you. What's the real you? The flesh. The the, the you is in the clothes. He didn't clothe himself in flesh. He became flesh. You understand? Did not stop him from becoming a man. And his human nature, it was sinless, but his human nature did not stop him from being God. Jesus had a human nature, a sinless human nature. How do I know he had a sinless human nature? Because he could be moved with compassion. He could feel sorrow. He could feel joy. Now, I know God has all of those attributes as well, but Jesus was experiencing them in the natural realm. Jesus became righteously angry. Amen. Now, why, why would He do that? Because He was a man honoring God. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. In the Amplified Bible it says, For in Him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. In Him, in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwells. The fullness of the Godhead. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? And when, even Christians, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Christ, very often the focus is on a baby. The focus is on angels. The focus is on a manger. The focus is on a stable. And the focus should be on God with us. Because that was His nature. Amen. He had to be born into the earth through normal natural channels. He had to grow up naturally. Amen. He had to submit Himself to his parents, to God. He had to submit himself to the teaching, to the training that he would receive so that he could qualify to be our Redeemer. Hallelujah. Now, there are some factors that factor into this that help us to see His nature. The first one is the worship factor. The worship factor. Now, we're not going to turn to all these scriptures. I've, I've studied them all out. I wrote them down. And I'm going to give them to you. You can write them down and study them later. But I'll give you the point and then the scripture. The worship factor. Jesus said in Matthew 4.10, when he was being tempted by the devil, Jesus said, quoting the book of Deuteronomy, the devil said, uh, 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 you know, uh, if, if you'll just worship me, all this I'll give you. And what did Jesus say? Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. So Jesus, out of His own mouth, said only God is to be worshipped. Is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, in Revelation 19.10 and Revelation 22, 8 through 9, we see that angels refuse to be worshipped. All right. John said, I I fell down to worship, Revelation 19, 10, and Revelation 22, 8 through 9. Uh, John said, I fell down to worship, and the angel said, nope, stand up. He said, I am a fellow servant just like you are. All right? Not to be worshipped. Men of God refused to be worshipped. In Acts chapter 10, verse 25 through 26, when Peter came to Cornelius' house, Cornelius fell down on his knees to worship him, and Peter said, Stand up. I'm a man like you are. Right? In Acts 14, 11 through 18, when uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, the, 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 the man born empty in his feet at Lystra, when uh, he was healed, you remember what they did? They went and they got oxen and sacrifices and brought garlands out. That means they brought crowns out. Because they, saw, they said Paul was Mercury and Barnabas was Jupiter. They called Paul Mercury because he was the talker. Right? And what did Paul and Barnabas do? Ripped their clothes and ran in amongst them and said, brethren, listen, this is what we've been telling you not to do. Right? So men of God refused to be worshipped. Jesus, out of His own mouth, said only God is to be worshipped. But, Jesus never refused to be worshipped. How do we know that? Matthew chapter 2, verse 2 and verse 11. The wise men worshipped him. We've seen his star and we've come to worship him. And it says when they came to the house where the young child was, that they opened their gifts and they prostrated themselves on the floor in worship. And when you read that in the Greek, it means when they went into that house, they encountered a presence they weren't expecting, and it knocked them on the ground. Woo! Why? They'd walked into the presence of the living God. Amen. But they notice they worshipped Him. Amen. Uh, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, it says that a leper came to Him and worshipped Him. A leper came and worshipped worshipped him. Now, now remember, I'm going to keep reiterating this as we go on. Jesus said only God was to be worshipped. But we already have three instances where he was worshipped. And he said only God is to be worshipped. In Matthew nine eighteen, 18, Jairus came to Jesus. And it says when he came to him, he fell on his knees and worshipped him. And said, my little daughter lieth at home. Come and lay your hands on her. She'll be healed and she'll live. But what did he do? He worshipped him. Amen. Uh, In Matthew 15, 25, the Canaanite woman, the woman that that we talk about how she said, uh, the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. In Matthew's account, it talks about Jesus saying, it's not meat that I should give the children's dog to the breads and uh, to the dogs. And it says that then she came and... Worshipped him. But Jesus said only God was supposed to be worshipped. This is important. Alright? If Jesus isn't God, why is he letting people worship him? Hallelujah. Uh, In Matthew 20, 20, the mother of James and John came to ask something for her sons. But it says the first thing she did was worship him. Now, she had an ulterior motive, but she still worshipped him, and Jesus led her. Oh, hallelujah. In Matthew 28, verse 9 and verse 17, his own disciples worshipped him after the resurrection. It says they fell and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. And he said, okay, now go into the city and tell your brethren that I'm risen. Notice what he didn't say. Quit worshiping me. But he did say that only God was to be worshipped. Right? Luke 24, 52, we see the same thing. Revelation 5, 8 through 14 says he is worshipped in heaven. The lamb is worshipped in heaven. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6 says the angels worship Him. But yet Jesus said only God was to be worshipped. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, God, became flesh. So God became flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. One day, every knee will bow before Him and every tongue will confess that He's Lord. Philippians 2, 10 through 11. Amen. And notice he's going to allow that. Oh, hallelujah. That's important. That, that's, that's, that's the worship factor. Jesus never stopped people from worshiping him. Why? He's God. Amen. The second thing, the second factor is the equation factor. The Equation factor, E-Q-U-A-T-I-O-N, the equation factor. Here's what this means. Jesus continually equated himself with the Father, constantly. In John chapter 10, verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one, are one, we're one. This is so important. We're going to read this later, but you remember when Philip said, Master, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus looked at Philip and said, Philip, have I been so long with you that you don't know me? When you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I've had people argue and say, well, that was because of the works and the great works that he was doing. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and the Father are one. See, this is so important. Because here's the thing, let me say this, I got some more scriptures to point out, but here's the thing, nowadays what we have in society is we have this underlying, if I could say, idea that God is very austere and judgmental and harsh and mean and Jesus is a kind and loving flower child right that just loves unconditionally and no matter what you do no matter what lifestyle you lead Jesus just loves you and understands now not god but Jesus right i heard i read an article where one person said and and uh, uh, now th- now they were a very liberal leaning person, and but they made this statement they said, "If Jesus were on the earth, he would be the grand marshal in the pride parade well well why why didn 't they say God would? because they know that God said things like that were an abomination to him. Is that right? But wait a minute. Jesus and God are one. You can't separate him from the Father. If that's the Father's mindset, that's Jesus' mindset. Now, is he willing to forgive anybody? Anybody. Because he paid the price for their forgiveness. But why, why is he so much that way? Have you ever really read the New Old Testament? Have you ever really read the Old Testament? I mean, really read it. Not just based on what you heard somebody else say. Over and 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 over again. You see where God withheld judgment. You see where God backed off judging a group of people. Why? Because he loved them. He said in the book of Hosea. He said look judgment came on you and it's not what I wanted. He said, you didn't understand that I desired mercy and not judgment. God out of his own mouth said, I desire mercy and not judgment. That's why Jesus came and twice he quoted that verse. He was sitting in in Matthew's house and the, the Pharisees came and said, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? And Jesus said, you need to go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not judgment. He said, I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. And he said, it's not the well that need a physician, it's the sick that need a physician. And Jesus was making the point very plain. I desire the health and the wellness of these people. All those people in that room, they were the outcast of society, but they had a desire for the things of God. And Jesus and God being one, Jesus quoted the Old Testament and said you need to learn that I desire mercy and not judgment Amen I and the Father are one Amen it's it's interesting to me all these people that talk about loving and kind Jesus and how he would be so accepting yet they don't want us to pray in his name they don't want our children to learn anything about him in school but yet they want to use him for their political ideas. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? The, the Father and Jesus are one. Amen. John five twenty three. Jesus said, People are to honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Hallelujah. John eight nineteen. he said if you knew me you'd know my father if you knew me you'd know my father not just I'm seeing the father in you if you knew me you'd know my father is that right amen so important you remember in the book of John chapter 9 Jesus was walking with his disciples and they came on the man that was born blind from his mother's womb and, and the disciples asked Jesus who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus said "He nobody sinned, right? He said, but the works of God are going to be worked in him. Now wait a minute. He said the works of God are going to be worked in him and then what did he say? He said, I must work the works well, it's day. Now, wait a minute. The works of God. I must work the works. The works of God. I must work the works. Well, it's day. The night comes that no man can work. And then what did he do? Put clay in the man's eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. What happened? The man came forth seeing. I thought he said it was the works of God that were going to be worked in him. But Jesus put the clay in the man's eyes. If Jesus put the clay in the man's eyes and the works of God were worked, it must have been God putting the clay in the man's eyes. Amen. Mm. What, what was the biggest problem the Jews had with Jesus? You, you can name it. What was it? What they say? You make yourself out to be God. You know what he didn't say? No, I didn't. I never said that. Never said that. He, ne- he never disagreed with them. Why? How can, how can, how? God can't lie. Amen. We see, we see him on two different occasions. They said, they said, they said, uh, 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 we were not born of adultery or fornication. Abraham was our father. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. I am. And it's in capital letters, I am. When, when he was in the garden in the book of John, and, and uh, uh, they came to get him, and, and uh, 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 Jesus stood up and he said, Who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they all fell flat. And, and, and that, you know, that doesn't mean they just staggered and, and had a hard time standing up. The Greek is, is, it uses the idea of a corpse. When he said, I am, they fell like dead men. What, what had happened? What happened to the wise men? The Magi, when they all came into the house to see the child, they fell on their face. Why? They encountered the presence of the Almighty God. They didn't encounter the presence of a little boy. They encountered the presence of the Almighty God. In the garden, they did not encounter the presence of a prophet or a great teacher. They encountered the presence of God Himself. Hallelujah. See, part of emptying himself, was realizing, I've got all of this power and ability. You know, there were somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 soldiers and temple guards that came to take Jesus. And all 600 of them were knocked flat by two words. How are you going to arrest God? if God don't let you. See, that's so important. And and again, when it comes to Christmas, Christians get all up in arms about things that don't matter. We have 53% of believers that say it's a true statement that Jesus was a great teacher, but He wasn't God. And 53% said that's right. It's important. Because when, when, when we celebrate, we're not celebrating a baby. We're celebrating God with us. Amen. Mm. John twelve forty four says, He that believes on me does not believe only on me, but on him who sent me. You believe on me, you're not just believing on me. You're believing on him that sent me. John 14, 9, well, John 13, 20, he said, he that receives me receives him that sent me. So you receive Jesus, you receive God. Now, now think about that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. People will come to the altar and they'll, they'll get born again and we will tell them, now, you've received Jesus into your heart. Now God lives with you. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You receive Jesus, but God's there. You received God. You received the price Jesus paid as God. Hallelujah. See, people go to to vast extents to try to make sure that, that, you know, uh, that nobody thinks something different than what we're trying to say. Well, you can't separate them. If Jesus is in your heart, God's in your heart. If the Holy Spirit's in your heart, God's in your heart. Amen. Glory. John fourteen nine says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen Him. That's why Colossians says, He is the exact representation of the Father. John fifteen twenty three. notice, he that hates me hates my Father also. Is that right? Yes, is. So wouldn't the reverse be true? If you hate the Father, you hate Jesus. That's important. Because I'll, 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 I'll reiterate this. The world is always trying to separate the two, right? Jesus is peace and love and unity. God is the divisive factor. Right? And when people talk about, you know, the Old Testament and, 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 and a God of judgment, and a, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth because he hasn't changed. Do you realize the cross didn't change God? It changed man. Not God didn't change God. God can't change. Brother Jim read it tonight. He didn't read this, but in that same chapter, I am God, I change not. Is that what he said or not? So the cross didn't change him. It changed us. We were reconciled to God. God was not reconciled to us. And how were we reconcile to God by the death of Jesus? Who was the Word? Who was God? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. People say, well, God can't die, but He did. Did he? If Jesus died, God died. You understand? That's why the incarnation, the virgin birth, is one of the the things that theologians call one of the unfathomables of Christian theology. Because it it boggles the mind to think that God would become a man and go to the cross and die. Well, but John 3.16 says, God so loved the world... He gave his son, only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You understand? Hallelujah. So, if you don't want the father, you can't have Jesus. And if you don't want Jesus, you can't have the father. I told my wife again tonight, I am I am just determined to be more of what I am. I'm I'm just I'm just determined. The the world is just absolutely unashamedly in your face about what they believe. Well, what do we got to lose? Amen. I think sometimes, am I helping you? I got two minutes. I think sometimes we forget this verse. And, and it's not a verse that we quote, and we put on our confession list. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. Just let me help you in this time of goodwill. Peace on earth. The world doesn't like you. They don't like me because we convict them. You know why the world yells and screams and and is angry? Because we convict them. You know why people are standing in, in lines that are pro-abortion and, and pro- death of children you know why they're angry and spitting and cussing and threatening they're convicted and they're trying to get away from their conscience that's what paul did he was killing christians taking them to prison and jesus showed up and said isn't it hard for you to kick against the pricks one translation says isn't it hard for you to go against your conscience you know what you're doing is wrong well 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 how is that how how is that possible because God came in the flesh Amen It's vital that we understand that Jesus wasn't merely a notable leader a great teacher You'll hear people they try to lump him in with the same the same line you know, they, they lump him in with Muhammad, and they lump him in with Buddha and Confucius, all these great teachers. And they might even say, he was the greatest of all of them. But even if he was the greatest of all of them, you're still saying, he was just a man. I read one year, many years ago, the works of Flavius Josephus. And, and, and it's a rather big volume. But I found something that he said about Jesus. And Josephus was a Jewish historian. He was not a Christian. All right? He wasn't born again. And he, he has a, a, a just about a quarter of a page in that book about Jesus. And it said, about the time, and it uses the phrase, about the time of Pilate, there was a man called Jesus of Nazareth. And then it says, if you can call him a man. It said the same was crucified, but he said that he would raise again in three days. And the Jewish historian says, which he did. Which he did. Well, why? Because you can't keep God down. See, this is important because he is the word made flesh. There's a man I used to listen to, and he had a, he had a lot to say about goal setting and, and different things, and, and I enjoyed it. Till one day, I really listened to something that he said, and he was talking about all of these, these teachers, uh, uh, Marcus Aurelia, and, and all these people that, that were very wise people, and then he said, but perhaps the greatest advice is from the greatest teacher ever, the carpenter from Galilee. Well, as much as I appreciated what he was saying, it just turned me off. Because you just lumped the master in with all these other people that had no concept of God. And you're right. He was the greatest teacher ever. But he was the greatest teacher ever because he was the teacher. He was God in the flesh. He was the Word made flesh. He is God with us. Now, let me close with this. This is what qualifies him to be our Savior and our Lord is He was God in the flesh. That's what qualified Him. Jesus was qualified to be our Savior and our Lord because He came and and satisfied all the claims of justice. You know, justice demanded that there be a perfect man. He met that criteria. Justice demanded that a perfect man die. He did it. Justice demanded that a perfect man go to hell. He did. Hallelujah. And paid the price for you and I. If Jesus didn't come in the flesh, He doesn't qualify to be our Redeemer. Because the Bible says, if by one man's sin, death came upon all men, then by one man, no wait, by one man, people could be delivered by one man. Now, God was in that man, but he was a man. Not just look like a man, not an epiphany. He was a man. Hallelujah. Let let me close with this. You know, in, in most cases, you know, we would like to think that if Jesus came in the room, we would know him. But, you know, here's the thing. If Jesus walked in his earthly presence and walked in the room, I doubt anybody would know him. Because the Bible says there was nothing about him that made him stand out. If you saw Jesus at a ball game, you wouldn't go, well, there he is, God's son right there. Amen. I mean, there were times, you read through the the Gospels, there were times he was places and they didn't know he was there. And then when they found out he was there, they started bringing all the sick to him. And then they knew he was there. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus just came as a man. If Jesus had never worked one work, one miracle, one healing, if he had spent his entire life on the earth and, and never worked one miracle, he still could have went to the cross and paid the price for our sin and redeemed us because he came as a man, but he also came and fulfilled every prophecy that was prophesied about the Messiah that was going to come in the flesh. Amen. Amen. That's the nature of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? I trust you received something tonight. Oh, glory to God.